Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. Bags, morning. Full named, Lisa J. Doesn't often happen. Sorry, just adjust a little bit. Well, thanks for showing up. I know the road went out with my name on it, so thank you for <laughs> still deciding to come this morning. That's marvellous. And thank you to my lovely band of people who are cheering me on and encouraging me and saying all kinds of lovely things. Thank you. It has blessed me more than you'll know. Um, so thank you very much. Um, when Paul came to me before Christmas, Christmas Eve in fact, and said, Lisa, need to ask you something. I was like, oh no, <laughs> not another thing. <laughs> uh, yes. He said, we'd really like you to come and um, to give a word sometime in January. Would that be all right? I was like, yeah, can I let you know sort of after Christmas? Because I'd said when I joined the Bay, look, I don't really want to get involved in too much for a while. I'm here for the first six to eight months, you know, wait until 2018, let me bed in a little bit. Because as Paul says, I have been here for about six months and it's been marvelous. Um, but I've been a friend of the Bay for about six years. So I'm not unfamiliar to very many people at all. Um, and when I felt like God was saying, yeah, it's a really cool thing to do, you know, you should do that. Go on, you're fashioned to do that. This is a really amazing thing. I was like, yes, Lord, what word are you giving me? And I got, let me in. I want to be your friend. I want to guard your dreams and visions. I was like, ooh. Had a little flick through my NIV. Couldn't find it anywhere, not even in Proverbs. So I did what all good people do and went to the message because things had changed up a bit there and I'd look through there and it wasn't there either. So I thought, oh, maybe it's in the passion translation thing because that's a little bit different and things get changed up there and to my dismay the book of Springsteen isn't actually in the bible at all <laughs> and what had actually dropped into my head was a line from a song I thought, ah right um let's shelve that up here I mean it's a great line but I thought about it a bit more I said Lord what what is it you'd like me to to bring you know I pondered it and I really felt like God was saying to bring something about character because we look at all kinds of things, but character is this little gem in the middle of a lot of the stuff we go through. It's this thing that's shaped by what we go through, by what we surround ourselves with and what surrounds us. And since I decided that that's what I'd go after, this really big topic and thinking, oh my goodness, gotta pull a strand out from that somewhere, opening a can of worms, I found that my character and my response to stuff has been massively challenged in the last three weeks which I don't think it's unusual if you decide you're gonna look at something or allow God to shine a light on something, that what that does is really bring under the microscope in very fine pinpoint detail um, how you're going about doing certain things. So my job is in sales, I work in advertising. Um, January is a really busy and crazy time, not least because it's coming up to the end of the financial year, people have to submit their accounts, so if they've got spare money, they want to spend it, yay, my figures go up, um, because they want it to be on last year's bill. Um, but also, if people have got no money, they're probably not going to do anything till at least April. Boo, bad quarter one. And I'm trying to manage all of this, go through my crazy work day. And this last week has been just full of stuff. 
full of people, which is fine, but also not fine, full of having to make strategies, having to count a lot, and be really awake really early in the morning to do all of that. If you know me, I'm not really a morning person, so this is all Holy Spirit right now. I'm not usually this awake. Um, I went to David's tent with Amy, just on that, and uh, Amy said, you know, Lisa, I know people that aren't morning people, but you are just a whole new, like, I've never met any... <laughs> Broke the mold. So this last week, it's been crazy, and for those of you who are connected with me on Facebook, you'll have seen a picture that I put up of my business card. So my business card says the company I work for, Hexham Crant newspaper, and then it's got my name, my job title, my telephone number, and my email address. And end of Wednesday, about six o'clock, you know, I'd been through the mill. Every single appointment, all 12 of them, I'd had to ring up and push them back by about an hour because my two days were running out. By about an hour, I was out of time. And too much to do, not enough space, you know, just blah, didn't like it. And I'm sat there at six o'clock feeling like, you know, you feel like you've been kicked in the face by the universe and everyone's laughing at you. And it's like, ah, I got you now, Lisa. It's like, oh. No, looked up and on my desk was my business card. And I saw the word late. I was like, what? Late? My business card? Capital L in bold for Lisa Jacobs, because that's my name. Underneath that, capital A in bold, account manager, because that's my job title. Underneath that, my telephone number with a capital T, because that's my telephone number. And underneath that, my email address with a capital E, because <laughs> that's my email address. Late in massive bold letters. I'm like, I was foaming. Foaming. It's like, I really don't want to be defined by being late because my heart really isn't to be late. I value time, um, mostly because I value me and I value my time. Therefore, I place really high value on other people's time. Um, and I value integrity. And if I'm going to show up, and I've said I'll show up, then I'll show up on time. For those of you that do know me, um, you'll know that I definitely work on an ish time. And <laughs> is that what you were just saying? <laughs> Lisa's never on time. Lisa is on time. Lisa works on Lisa-ish time, which means that I have about half an hour's grace. I've invented that rule for myself because it works. <laughs> but people who know me know that I do work on ish time. And it's not because I purposefully like to be late to annoy people. I really don't. Um, but I, I don't know what happens. I, I start off well and end up half an hour late. It's just a fact of life. So with work, my ish timing in my diary, I make sure I set all my appointments in my diary about half an hour sooner than what they are so I can accommodate for my ish time and I'll still be on time. So late in bold letters, not cool because I place really high value on my time. You're probably thinking what on earth has that got to do with character or a Bruce Springsteen quote? Well, character as defined by several dictionaries is said to be the moral qualities distinctive to an individual and it can be identified in their personality, their nature, their temperament. Another definition is the stable and distinctive qualities built into an individual's life, which determines their response regardless of circumstance. Yeah? Regardless of circumstance is a key bit there. I might run on ish time. Regardless of that, I show up on time. I'm not a morning person. You know, I'm a lazy bones, I like a lie-in. I like three coffees before I leave the house. Regardless of that, I turn up on time, and I'm here. Ta-da. <laughs> in the context of church, character can also be phrased as core values. That's how we would define our character as a church. And we've all got people we admire, that we look up to, that we honour. 
you know, the character of individuals? What do we see in other people that we'd like to see in ourselves? Sometimes it feels like people are a giant mirror in front of us and you get faced with, wow, they're amazing. Oh my goodness, what am I doing? But we've all got people that we respect because of the way they do life, for the way they go about stuff. And we've all got people that we maybe think, eh, if you just kind of, <laughs> that was a knowing laugh. <laughs> we've all got people who kind of think, ah, you know, if you could just maybe a little bit, you know, just that. But that's Holy Spirit's job, not ours entirely. You know, we see qualities of integrity and honesty, accountability, honor is a big one. We see people who've got a really high value placed on family, people who put really solid boundaries in place, healthy ones. Danny Silk's got a great book on that, if you're interested. Faith, people who have a really high value for faith and for hope and love. Those are the kind of things that we see in other people that I think, certainly I do, you know, oh, I want to embody a bit more of that. You know, my value system, I want that to be part of my DNA, part of who I am. Now, it does bring about a question for us, which you can think about now or later, or slide into if you start getting distracted by what I'm saying. What are your core values? What is it that's in you? What is it you identify in yourself? And this can be good or bad. I'm not saying we all have to have amazing qualities that we see in ourselves, because firstly, we'd then be living in deception because we are amazingly created, but we all have stuff that we'd rather not have, yeah? Ways we respond that we'd wish we could respond differently. And it's usually on reflection. If you're a reflector like me, you'll go headlong into a situation and then reflect on it and think, eh, now I need to go and fix that because I didn't really respond in the way that I feel God has enabled me to. What are your core values? And it's a journey of discovery because sometimes, a lot of the time, we don't actually know what it is that we value until it's challenged, it's compromised, or it's taken away or threatened in some way. You know, until the heat's turned up, we sometimes don't know what it is that we value because it becomes our default response. Our character is our default response. Similarly, we aren't always aware of what we're like and what our actual instinct is until our circumstances or the people around us provoke a response in us. You can think that you're the most gracious person in the world, but there's always someone who comes along like a thorn in your side and really bugs the face off you. This might just be me. And you kind of roar, and it's like, oh, no, I didn't actually respond well there, you know. Our value system defines our response to life around us, and it's in the pursuit of those values that our character is shaped. Ultimately, that's what it is. And I'm part of a few different groups and teams and organizations, and Healing Center, Northumbrian Center of Prayer of Christian Healing is its really snappy title. Um, we have a team meeting the first Saturday of every month. We're given those dates every single year, never changes, and they're anchored in my diary. I place a really high value on team, so if something comes along for that first Saturday morning slot in the month that would, you know, compromise that, what do I do? Well, what I endeavor to do is the team meeting is immovable, so if something pops up, and at least if you could come and just do this thing, and it can be a really great thing, well, I can't know because I've already got that time blocked out. If I was to switch and start moving that and say, oh, I can't actually do the team meeting this month because this has come up and I'm going to do that instead. Actually, what value have I placed on the meeting and the team and the value that I hold there as against this thing that's just come in? Similarly, on a Monday night, I tend not to commit to anything on a Monday night. 
Not just because it's Monday, because I've decided to set that time aside for quietness, contemplation, spending time with God. And that might sound really naff to you, but God said, set aside some time. So I did, and it's a Monday night. So if you ring up and say, at least we've got a meeting on a Monday night, I'll say, I'll get back to you on that. Not because I don't value what you've got going on, but I value my time with God that I've set aside. Smidgen more than anything else that might be going on in the universe. <laughs> and we all have those things going on in our life. It might not be that thing, but we have something that's like that going on. So how is our character exposed? How is it developed? How is it refined? Well, process. We love process. <laughs> David loves process. But so does God. God loves the process. And he encourages us to rejoice in the process. That's not altogether an easy thing, I don't think. Process sometimes really isn't fun. Process is sometimes the worst thing going on in your life. I don't want to face this. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to go through this because I know what that looks like. That'll hurt. That's messy. Ouch. Well, stay stuck. Is that what God wants? No. <laughs> he says, come on. Like my, you know, merry band of cheerleaders. Come on, you can do it. That's God. I was once in Cafe Nero. Um, other coffees are available and more highly recommended. But I was in Cafe Nero once. <laughs> I'm also a coffee snob. Um, and there was somebody sat under a sign that said, enjoy the process. And they were sat under it with an Americano, a blueberry muffin, and a slice of chocolate brownie. I thought, well, if the process looked like that, <laughs> happily, I would embrace this all the time. Maybe not always with Cafe Nero coffee, but I would go for that. Romans 5. I'll bring in some Bible now, so it's not just a... Bruce Springsteen quote, Romans 5. We know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. I love that, even though it starts with the word suffering in the middle of a sentence. I, <laughs> I love that. Why? Because there's always hope. Doesn't matter what the start bit looks like, because the end is hope. The end is hope. And we get to embrace that in the process when we're stepping out with God, hand in hand with God, letting him in and exposing our stuff to him. Whatever the weather, there's always hope. Whilst holding on to that and not losing sight of it, that's when we get to be sharpened up. We get to be enabled. We get encouraged and strengthened and fashioned into the thing of beauty that God has created us to be. Now, don't mishear me in saying that, you know, suffering, I'm not belittling that. We are varying levels of suffering. We are varying degrees of blur going on in our life at different times. You know, sometimes life really is hard and it really does feel like you've been kicked in the face by the world and it's not going away and it's very, very ouch. However, God is with us. God is our hope. And by clinging on to hope, however strong or weak we feel in that moment, by holding on to hope, standing firm in the hope that God is absolutely who he says he is, that whole process becomes a lot more bearable because we're not carrying it on our shoulders. It can feel like it. We're not wearing that. We wear hope. We live in hope. We're anchored in hope because hope is rooted in love and God is love. I think that's a really cool thing.
We look at Romans and we see suffering and perseverance, but it's really easy to skip over the character part. You know, ouch, 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 ouch. God is who he says he is. The middle bit is character. Character is where we come in and who we are, our DNA comes in. And that's the bit that God is looking to shape because that's where he dreamt us up. That's the treasures that he put in us. And God loves us more than to just leave us stuck in the stuff we're in right now. He's moving us on from one degree of glory to the next. Jesus came so we could have life in all its fullness. Is fullness in the middle of suffering and perseverance? Well, it doesn't look like it, but we can progress through that, through the process, and become more like who God created us to be. He doesn't want to leave us stuck where we're at. One degree of glory to the next. As we move forward with him, we're all the richer for it. We don't see that sometimes in the middle of the storm going on. It's really hard to see that, actually. But we're all the richer for moving on and saying, yes, God, I want to be moved on because I don't like this, and I like the look of hope. I like the look of the abundance of the kingdom. Move me out of this, and I'm going to be obedient in that. And if you're thinking, well, I'm not really in a valley right now, great, you're at the top of a mountain. But no matter how high you feel on the top of that mountain, there are new heights still to be reached. You haven't made it yet. I haven't made it yet. And that's also amazing, because there's more. There's always more. God doesn't run out of stuff. You don't get to a point and he just kind of goes, well, I'll move on to this thing instead. No, 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 no. There's always more. There is always more. Character is what is built into us, whatever the weather, whatever the storms of life are that are going on. And as we choose to keep a grip on hope and choose life, it's our character that's being shaped. Now, are we aware of what it is that God is shaping in us? Do we take the time to consider what it is that he's shaping in us, that he's put in us, the stuff he's breaking off? Because we feel it if something's been broken off, and we can feel it if something not so great has been stuck on us. We can feel it when we come under stuff, but are we considering what it is he's doing as this stuff is broken off? Are we aware of what he's doing and how we're being reshaped? And is our heart in a position of saying thank you, God, and rejoicing because of the process we're going through to be made more glorious, more beautiful, more in his likeness, more into the individual that he's created us to be? I'm asking myself that question as well. That isn't a directive. That's a, I'm actually really considering this for me too. Character is where we see and get to enjoy and are blessed by the fruit of our perseverance. Because perseverance isn't the gift. You know, I saw a quote from Chris Valton pop up a couple of days ago on Instagram. And it says, you know, perseverance isn't the gift. That's the choice we make to keep going and to keep going and to keep going. And we'll all know people, and we've probably all done it ourselves, when we really like to be in the midst of that perseverance because we lean on it a bit. Come on, I'm a perseverer. God has gifted me to be a perseverer. No, he has not. <laughs> He's gifted you and enabled you to be an overcomer. So you don't say trapped in the perseverance. You choose to persevere because you're rooted in hope. The gift is hope. The gift is faith. The gift is life. So if you're trapped in a bit of perseverance, shout up for your mates because they will come and they will speak into your situation and give you hope and give you those tools to get out of that endless cycle of, oh my goodness, it's a mess. 
Character is where we see and enjoy and are blessed by the fruit of our persevering. When we learn things like discipline and honesty and integrity, the fruit of that is freedom. And that impacts the rest of our life. Well, it should do. Sometimes we don't let it. But it should do because that becomes our default. It impacts the rest of your life because it's part of my character. And character determines my response to my circumstances, whether it's easy or difficult or somewhere in between. In Jeremiah, there's a picture of God as the potter and us as the clay. As we come before God and say, yes, Lord, I yield myself to you. I trust you. I'm walking with you. We give him permission to shape us. And he's really gentle and he's really loving and he's really kind. I'm not saying it can always feel gentle, but his heart is to bless us in that. It's beholding and belonging in that relationship with him. That's where the shaping comes in. And also there's a proverb that talks about iron sharpening iron. And that is for us and the world around us. Now, we've probably all come off a little bit worse for wear as iron is sharpened iron. <laughs> because that's the reality of life. Sometimes it hurts when iron sharpens iron, but we're all the better for it when it's done in love, without judgment, because we aren't here to judge each other. God isn't here to, you know, encourage us to judge one another. No, we're here to bless each other, because whether you like it or not, the person next to you is one of the biggest blessings in your life. So is the person behind you, so is the person in front of you, so is every person you encounter. They are a blessing. And the fabulous news is, so are each one of us. We're also a blessing. That's the truth. I'm not saying it always looks like it. I'm not always a blessing first thing in the morning. This is new. Miraculous. <laughs> a bit too heavy, a laugh. <laughs> but yes, we're a blessing. And as a community, as the Bay Church, as a bunch of people who said, yes, I'm going to hang out here today. I'm going to choose God. I'm going to choose to be here just because that's what God said and that's what I want to do. We've got a responsibility to encourage one another. And the words we use are really important when we speak over people. I don't know if you're familiar with um, the Disney film Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, but there's one dwarf called Grumpy. Now, if you didn't know his name, but you saw a picture of him, you'd be like, well, he's grumpy, isn't he? Because actually, if you keep declaring, oh, grumpy, 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 probably the person will turn out looking pretty grumpy and not decide to break out of where they're at because, well, if people think I'm grumpy, I'm going to be grumpy. Grumpy the dwarf. Similarly, <laughs> it's true. We're shaped by the words that people speak over us. We might not notice it at first, and we might say things in jest, but actually, words have power. Power of life and death is in the tongue. So guard your heart and guard your mouth. Speak when God says to speak, and preferably speak what he says to say. <laughs> That's always good. <laughs> the words we use are really important. And actually, when we're alongside each other, this iron sharpening iron thing, it can involve being brave to speak out what you see in somebody else. I'm not saying you should charge up to somebody and say, you know what, you do this and it really annoys me, so if you could just stop doing that, that would be great. No. Like, no, that's not exactly what I mean. What I mean is, <laughs> you know, you see something in somebody, their integrity, their steadfastness, their grip on hope. Go over and encourage them and say, look, I see this in you. I see this tenacity in you, this thing that never gives up. No, you don't roar like a lion, but that is fine. 
I see your tenacity and I see you and I see that you never give up. You never lose sight of who God is and you never, ever, ever choose to enter into anything that comes into and compromises that steadfastness because you know God, you know your Father. So nothing gets through other than the words of his goodness, his faithfulness and everything glorious about that. That's the stuff we should call out in each other. Because actually I'm really blessed by some people's steadfastness, their ability to hold on to stuff. Because sometimes I'm not so great at holding on to the truth. Some stuff knocks me off my feet and knocks the wind out of my sails. And I'm really blessed by the people who come over or get in touch with me or stand alongside me and say, you know what? This is who God is. And you are strong. You are able. You are full of love. You are full of life. You know, that, that's what I'm getting at. Calling out the gold in each other. Even if we don't like someone's personality, because people can have really great character, but they don't necessarily come off that well in a social situation. They can be arms folded, head down, not really wanting to engage. We might not like that, but we still have a responsibility to call out the gold in them. Someone might be like Grumpy from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, but actually, they might have a heart for God, like something you've never encountered before. Got a responsibility to call that out. They might be the most creative person ever. They might have words of life. They will have words of life, actually, if they're in Jesus, because that's what he pours into us. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> to have courage, being courageous, to be brave. It comes from core, which is Latin for heart. Nick has shared this before. The French is cur, and cur means heart. The heart is the seat of our feelings. So that implies, I think, that courageousness and being brave isn't just a characteristic. It isn't just a thing. It isn't just knowledge. It actually has an experiential element to it, i.e. we have to get up and do something about it. We have to put it into action. So we experience it. So we don't just know it. We live it. It's great to have core values, but it's so much better to be them. We see them when we get spoken to about what the core values are of the Bay Church, what it is to belong particularly. That's great, yes, I can be me. Yeah, we'll be you. Don't just know you can be you, be you. And again, I don't say that lightly. Being somebody who was welcomed into a family and it took about two and a half years to actually not shrink back every time they said, but we love you, we're not going anywhere. I was like, really, really, really? I can't believe that. You know, I've not found it so easy to connect or to trust or to reach out and be fully myself. Not because I don't like who I am, but because my circumstances in a previous life have shaped my character in a way that said, I don't know if I can trust that love. I don't know if I can trust it when you speak to me like that. So instead of embracing that, I'm gonna recoil a bit because I'm gonna wait and see if you change your mind. Because my expectation then was that you would change your mind. Because my upbringing has been one where conditional love has played a really big part. God loves unconditionally. When he says, I love you, he means it. When he says, I'm not going anywhere, he means it. When he says, I'm not letting go, he means it. When he puts people around you who say, we love you, we're not going anywhere. We love you, we're not going anywhere, we love you. And they've said it a squillion times. And you're still like, oh really, are you sure? Are you really sure? Say, yes, we're sure. It's that, it's being held in that. It's great to have a core value, but it's better to be it. 
and to live them out. If we add the prefix en to courage, we have encourage. To encourage is to give hope. Now, I'm not sure anyone has ever got tired of being encouraged. I don't think anyone gets over-encouraged. I'm not saying that's a thing we should celebrate. I'm saying we should open our mouths and encourage each other a little bit more. Because what harm could it do? Don't encourage people into badness or waywardness. Just to caveat that. <laughs> encourage people in the good things of the kingdom. Encourage people to choose life, to seek, to seek out the goodness of God. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. It's marvelous. When suffering and battles come, because they will, and they do, storms come, we need people around us to cheer us on. Whether they've got pom-poms or rah-rah skates or not, we need people to cheer us on. To remind us of who God is, to enable us to keep a grip on hope and to speak the truth of who we are and of who God is in the midst of whatever we're going through, whatever it looks like, even if we don't get it, until we get our breakthrough. Until we get to walk through that door of breakthrough, we need those people in our lives. We are called, in one degree or another, to be that to each other. We have different levels of access in our relationships to one another. You know, people who are really close to us, the people who are a bit further out, the people who are a bit further out, and the people who are way over there who we'd never listen to. Hope doesn't disappoint. God never fails, and he never lets us down. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. What's on the inside determines our outward response. Holy Spirit's in us and we know that he leaks out of us all of the time because we have to keep going back to get filled up. So our character will leak out of us whether we like it or not. And when we're in God, rooted in God and established in God, in love, that's a brilliant thing. Abraham Lincoln said, character is like a tree and reputation like a shadow. The shadow is what we think of it and the tree is the real thing. I mulled on that for quite a while because there's a lot more to it than what you first would think. Now it's a fact of life that we can be subject to other people's judgment, what other people might say about us, how people perceive us, whether it's good or bad or indifferent. Sometimes it's accurate and sometimes it's really not. But actually it depends on the source. Should we be concerned about the shadow, our reputation, what people think of us? Should we be concerned about the tree, the thing we can influence, character itself, the fiber in us? That's the one to ponder. But what I will say is the shadow is dependent on what light is shone upon it, what angle it's at. The tree is the thing that we can influence. The tree is our character. That's what we get to invest in. That's what we get to shape. That's what we get to yield to God. That's what he sees. Now we can look at Jesus to get a pretty good picture, the very best picture of who God is and the characteristics of God. Because actually if we're created in the image of God, and we are, his DNA, his character, he defines us. So what we see in Jesus as an outworking of who God is, that's actually what we want to step into and say, yes, that's who we want to be. We want to be more like you, God. We sing it all of the time. And just a word on that, all these things that we sing and say, they have power in our lives. So when we say, Lord, I want more faith. Okay, we have to embrace the process because that's how you'll get more faith. 
I'm not saying that God doesn't anoint you specifically with an increased measure of certain things at certain times, because he does that, he's God, he can. But actually, he wants to build stuff into us. There's an expression that says Rome wasn't built in a day. That's because it wasn't. You have to actually do stuff to get from A to B. And it's the same with us. There is a process. There is a saying yes to God in that. We can choose who we want to be and what we want the world to see of us. But I'd suggest that we start with choosing to look at God, to fall upon his grace and mercy and ask him who he wants us to be and who he's created us to be and how we go about having that seen in us and shining so brightly from us. Because God has sown some pretty valuable things and treasures in each of us. You know, Alan, when he spoke on New Year's Eve, he said the value of a seed is seen in the ground it's sown in. We're pretty valuable ground. We're precious. We're treasured. We're beloved. We're wonderful. We're marvelous. We're beautiful. And all other kinds of things. God shines his light on us. Those seeds, those treasures that he's put in us will bloom and grow and blossom and then start to go out from us and birth new things. We are shaped by the stuff that we love and the stuff that we don't love. It's true. The stuff you don't like shapes you just as much as the stuff you do like. I saw a thing recently that said, no grit, no pearl. I was like, ooh, I like that. There is stuff that niggles us, but if you look at the, is it an oyster? Is that the right shellfish thing? Do you know? one of them um, you know the pearl comes about because there's grit that's got into the shell of that creature and it's made into a beautiful thing so don't always dismiss the things that irritate you or bug you again I'm saying that to myself as much as I am to anyone else don't dismiss it look for God in the process keep a grip on hope and see what beauty it produces because it will be beautiful we face some tough stuff but the Bible says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us Keep a grip on hope, be strengthened by who he says he is. And it's vital that we build into our relationship with God because it's all well and good having our character shaped, but we actually need to know the character and nature of God in order for that to be fully effective so that we can then measure our processing by and define it by who God says he is. He is faithful. Okay, God, you're faithful. You're not going to leave me in my mess. So I'll hope on that. I'll keep a hold of that because you will see me through to the very end. Thank you, God. You're amazing. We see who he is. We see that we are made in his image. He defines us. We see his character. We know his heart. He shows up. And then we get the beauty and the pleasure and the privilege of seeing that in other people and calling it out. So stepping into 2018, I feel like 2017 has been a year where a lot of us have been through stuff and we've got stuff to shake off or we've shaken it off us, but we've not actually come to God and said, what are you pouring in us? What is the thing that you've given me? What is it you've shaped in me? What have you built into me so I can stand firm on that? Um, and that'll be something more that we go into tonight. So come along if you want the space and freedom to press more into that. But I'll leave you with this. What are we facing that God is maybe inviting us to look at or respond to differently? What is he calling out in us? Saying, you are this and I've enabled you. Therefore, you will overcome. Amen.